I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. It is the 5th of August. This is the COB, Close of Business. I'm Nadine and I'm here with David Scott. We call him Scotty. You like that, don't you, Scotty? How was your day? Uh, yeah, well, it's my name or nickname at least. But um, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty, uh, I won't say cruisy Wednesday, but uh, a bit quieter compared to uh, what we've seen earlier in the week. But uh, generally a sign that it's going to go and wrap up. So maybe I shouldn't speak too soon. No, well, we had um, a pretty depressing COVID case coming from Victoria, um, y- you know, and it's just so difficult to grasp what the long-term implications of this so-called second wave is in Victoria. One thing we do know, though, is that um, we've been seeing some specific areas of the market react positively to it. Now, I'm not, you know, trying to paint any sort of a inflammatory picture, but, you know, clearly the consumer staple names have benefited from this thematic. The work from home names have benefited from this thematic and the retailers as well. The discretionary retailers, Scuddy. We love your view. We had some credit card spending data out from the CBA, I believe it was today. Um, Yeah, where do you think that this is all going to end? Uh, Well, I've been pretty vocal that I don't think it's going to be sustained. Uh, And then you look at some of these credit cards, uh, spending data that's come out. It wasn't ACBA, but uh, ANZ. That's why I felt compelled to go and write it. Uh, There's actually been a noticeable deceleration in that spending growth. Now, we've seen a whole bunch of tailwinds that have come through. A lot of stimulus has come through, early access to superannuation. Demand has been brought forward. You talked about no staying at home. No, I think everyone's gotten a new uh, new setup for the home office and everything else. Uh, and I just, uh, I'm starting to go and, and see evidence now that maybe this, uh, this downturn, which I've been expecting, is going to go and take place. Now, you could go and say that some of it is to do with the uh, health side of things. Uh, but that being said, that, uh, we know that we're going to go and start seeing a tapering of other uh, stimulus payments coming up. We know that unemployment is going to go and lift uh, in the months ahead. You put all that stuff together, uh, I think it's a pretty compelling pace. But you look at what the discretionary sector has done compared to the, the local market, the broader market, uh, it's nearly double from the, uh, from the low scene in March. It's a big run, uh, obviously something to go and keep an eye on moving forward. Today, Harvey Norman was up by 2%, JB Hi-Fi up by 2%, uh, Webjet was up by three and a quarter percent. That one seems a little bit counterintuitive. We've got corporate travel as well up by three percent. The flight center down by 1.6 percent. Yeah, travel, you've got to think, is not the place to be for quite some time. I spoke with the the Travel Industry Association earlier this morning. I mean, even that promised trans-Tasman travel bubble seems to be off the table, at least yeah. for now. Just that, it's a bubble. It's a thought bubble, it's a, and it's not going to happen this year unless there's some sort of a miraculous uh, treatment or a, a virus uh, vaccine is found. It looks like we're going to be here by ourselves, Nadine, for uh, for quite some time here in little old Australia. But 
Yeah, I'm, not, I'm a bit surprised by some of those moves. Although I think a lot of the moves you've seen in the uh, the, the travel stocks, it's like day trading almost because it's just speculative mm-hmm. flows going from one one extreme to the other. Now, lo and behold, I get you there. Uh, no, probably tomorrow we'll see those same names in the other uh, the losers list. Yeah, it was interesting to hear from Virgin Australia and its uh, presumed new owners today. Uh, they're talking about hiring people, how many they'll be, um, you know, keeping employed. But yeah, there's just so much uncertainty when it comes to that travel part of the market. Okay, so overall, the XJO finished off by about six tenths of one percent. One of the big movers was Jumbo Interactive. It was up by about eight percent. On the flip side, though, ProMedicus was down by more than four percent. Uh, you had a chat with buy now, pay later provider Split It completed a $90 million share placement, part of that $100 million cap raise to accelerate its growth strategy. I haven't had the chance to listen to the interview, Scotty. I've been otherwise occupied, but I know you would have asked him about credit quality. So what was the word? Uh, it stuck to the uh, familiar script. So obviously concerned about what the outlook is there in the United States, so the backdrop you know, when it comes to stimulus payments and the like. He, like I think most people in the markets, believe there's going to be some stopgap measure and then another funding mechanism that comes through to go and support households. But he's watching it very closely. Of course, they've got a little bit of a different model. They use existing credit lines uh, through credit card providers rather than uh, essentially a credit service that we see some of the others. Uh, obviously, uh, the market really responded well to that capital raising news as well. And uh, when I last looked, the, uh, the stock was up over 10%. So the, uh, the hot buy now, pay later sector remains hot as ever. Yes, sure does. And you can listen to that interview, access it via the show notes. I will be doing so myself. Scotty, um, another big theme, obviously, is reporting season. So we had uh, Centuria, which was out today. It's office fund, it's infrastructure fund. We spoke with the joint CEO on the program. In fact, uh, Koshi did. They are raising capital to fund the purchase of a Telstra data center, which is all the go. Industrial looking pretty favorable. And he said, look, it is too early to ring the bell when it comes to office. He obviously, you know, purely believes in the story going forward, saying it's uh, the death knoll has been rung way too enthusiastically by the market and some commentators in it. And I should point out that in the wake of this result, which did not see the company provide guidance, the share price for the office fund was up by close to 7%. So if you'd like to listen to that interview, you can do so. It's on the website or via the app. Um, We also had a good chat with Bob Desmond from Evanson Partners on international equities. And look what my big takeaway from that interview was, Scotty. I don't know if it was the same for you. Is He's not buying into thematics. He's not buying into hot areas of the market for the sake of it. It's very much a numbers game. It's fundamental. It's margins. It's cash flow. He's an investor. He's not a punter or a gambler. And that uh, pretty much came through in the interview. And that's it. If you'd like to listen to it, he's head of international equities at Evans and Partners. And you can do that. Um, via the show notes. I should say, though, he does still see value in some of those big tech names. But um, yeah, it's a a case of do your homework, which I suppose you would expect nothing less from the head of international equities. Absolutely. I I liked, uh, he was talking about Tesla, uh, or leading to Tesla, and I didn't, uh, I said to him, I won't ask him about Nikola, uh, my favorite (laughs) truck company, but uh, maybe another day. All right. Uh, Let's get to uh, stock of the day, shall we? A&P. So... (laughs) Saying it's under pressure is a little bit of a understatement. Uh, we've learned that uh, Lazard Asset Management, which is a huge value investor, no longer a substantial shareholder. AMP down by close to 3% today. We spoke with Henry Jennings from Marcus Today. Kashi sat down and asked him for his take on AMP. Take a listen. It's in transition. It's in a tough environment now, made even tougher by COVID. 
it, it's hard to find much to like about this. The recent profit update as well was not exactly fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the market took that badly. Uh, really, you've got to be really patient and you'd have to do an awful lot of due diligence to do uh, the, the value dive into this one, I think. Right. So, you know, for us, it, it's probably one to avoid. You'd like to see them get some runs on the board first and then yeah. once they start to come out, uh, maybe you can pick up, you know, 10, 15, 20%. AMP, it's just got, you know, it's like a Swiss watch. There's bits going yeah. everywhere and it only takes one little bit and the whole thing falls so, apart. We saw with their profit warning um, last week, we've had, uh, you know, an increase in costs because everyone's working from home and, and COVID um, and obviously their bottom line's affected as well. So, yeah. um, you know, as, as Henry mentioned, there's, there's stuff in there that's, that's, that has value. Um, no one's seeing any of that value at the moment. I mean, maybe with what's happening at the moment, um, you know, other cashed up organisations raising money, looking for acquisitions, yeah. maybe they could do something with AMP. But, you know, I agree that the brand, it has been damaged over the years. It'd have to be taken over and I, I think, yeah. you know, split up and, and re, rebadged as, as something else. And that was Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities ending the thoughts there on AMP. Scotty, you said we've got to get that uh, eight, 10 year chart up to show the absolute value destruction that has come through in that business. Yes, it's Sad not a story. It's, yeah, it uh, was a great Australian name. And look, to some people, it probably still is. But uh, what, a, what a terrible ride it's been for long term shareholders. Okay, I mentioned Jason Hullich, CEO of Centuria Group, uh, available on our website. We've got a whole sort of area for reporting season coverage. If you'd like to keep abreast with what analysts are thinking, what the CEOs are saying about the outlook importantly going forward, um, please do that. It's uh, worth your time, hopefully worth our time as well. Um, Scotty, we had a services read coming from China, the private services read. Was that market moving at all? No, not at all. But um, look, it just showed that uh, the, the breadth of the, uh, of the rebound, the recovery that we saw in, uh, in June, Slowed a little bit in uh, July, but still a majority of firms, albeit small majority, are uh, still reporting an improvement in activity levels, which fits with like, know that uh, what we've seen, that the Chinese economy looks to be going okay. Uh, unfortunately, it seems to be the uh, one exception to the rule at the moment. There's, uh, there's a lot of other big, uh, big countries, including ourselves, unfortunately, now to go and add to that list that are not doing so great when it comes to the, uh, the virus and economic front. And we have the US read on uh, non-manufacturing coming out as well tonight. So you know, same story, right? Yeah, lots of implications. Like the services sector in the United States is absolutely massive. You know, you're talking about something where it's around about sort of 70%, 75% of the economy. Uh, in particular, what I'll be paying close attention to when I wake up, I won't be waiting up for, uh, for the actual release, but when it comes out, I'll be looking at the, uh, the employment sub-index because it gives you a pretty good indication as to what you're gonna go and see with payrolls growth. We also get the ADP National Employment Report, but that tends to, uh, to jump around pretty wildly. Doesn't always have the best, uh, best relationship with the payroll support, the official one that comes out on Friday, but nonetheless, you know, a lot of people will be paying attention. If we get some negative results there, then uh, we might see some concern about the economy actually start to be reflected in market pricing. Okay, um, crude oil inventories. Tomorrow here in Australia, we get some building approvals. A volatile read coming from the Bureau of Statistics. I don't think that will be market moving, but you know, house prices have been a real topic of conversation here in, um, in Australia this week, in particular after the release of those CoreLogic um, 
house price report on Monday, which I know, you know, you don't think that we get enough info on house prices, do you? No, no I, look, it's, I've written previously in my rants about how it's 2020 and the information about the property market's just ridiculously inadequate. It's a $7 trillion plus market in terms of you know, when it was last valued by the ABS figures and to not have any real um, you know, clear view of what's going on, not only like, you know, from a national perspective, but you know, into market perspective. So it's just not good enough. But uh, the one thing, one bugbear that I have is that there's so many prices that are being withheld at the moment, and that'll only come through with the land value as uh, no, uh, assessment when that's actually completed several months later. So you don't get a true picture of what's really going on month to month. Uh, Which is crazy considering how many people are invested. It's the biggest asset class. Yeah, and you're basically flying blind for a long period of time. It's not like a liquid asset class that we see here in equities or in our currency markets, rates and everything else. It's pretty liquid. So to go and wait upon this data, it does go and increase the risk of a policy mistake. But look, I've already, I'm doing my second rant for the day here, but... Uh, you know, it's, it's not a rant, Scotty, it's a view. It's a view, but it is a rant because it needs to... But it's something that needs to be discussed because... When you talk about all these things, we put so much attention on policymakers. We've criticised policymakers with the handling of the health aspect uh, in some parts of the country. Uh, I question why we don't care more about what the information coming out of the property market is, uh, is giving us. Because if we make a policy mistake there, then we're in serious strife. And do you think that a policy mistake is now sort of the, the biggest risk going forward? Well, I certainly think there's a lot of people out there who are taking a way too lackadaisical approach about what lies ahead. We saw the other data come out from APRA when it came to those loan deferrals at the moment. 11% of all mortgages across the country currently are in deferred payment schedule. A lot of those are investor loans in terms of proportion. And then the more worrying aspect of that is you go to the next level, small business loans, huge number of small business loans that are currently being put on hold. Uh, when you go and wonder like what's underpinning that, so many cases it's residential property. Uh, given what we're talking about, RBA only yesterday talking about 10% unemployment. Unemployment likely to remain 7% out for two years, uh, what their forecasts are likely to show on Friday. It's not really a, a solid backdrop and doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence, particularly if we make some mistakes along the way. Two views from Scotty for the price of one. Lucky listeners. Does, okay. that, does that mean I get to go? No, no, <laughs> no, 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 I take that back. Sorry. Uh, okay, uh, let's get through the, the roll call of guests. Uh, this is, again, just scratching the surface, but Mick Farrell, who is head of ResMed, he'll be joining us to start this session, 9 o'clock a.m., talk about the earnings just after they hit the wires. We've got David Cassidy, head of investment strategy at Wilson Advisory, talking about the macro monthly report. Mark Schneider, who's CEO and co-founder of Zibit, will be talking about differentiation strategies and why they're on to a $30 million cap raising. Uh, it continues on throughout the day. I can't name them all, but we'll uh, really look forward to speaking with many of them. You and I will, Scuddy, no doubt tomorrow. Hey, it's been fun. It's been a big Wednesday, it feels like. Just to reiterate, the market closing down by six-tenths of 1%. Scuddy, you gonna relax this evening? I hope to get some more uh, more sleep. I uh, didn't get a lot of sleep last night, so uh, hopefully tonight will be a new night and, uh, and a better night, and I'll be in a big uh, jovial mood. Might write a, a positive rant for, uh, for a change. <laughs> it's a view. All right. I look forward to it, Scotty. See you then. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, 
the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 